the RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com. All right, good afternoon, and you're very welcome along to this week's RTE Rugby Podcast. Neil Tracy here with you this week on Champions Cup Final Week, and I've got Donald Lennon and Bernard Jackman alongside me to chat through things this week. And two men who are very, very excited to be here as well today because they're here under the promise of absolutely no monster chat whatsoever. This is going to be a Champions Cup final show. It, no, nothing you want to get off your chest, lads, before we start. We'll draw the line on monster, and we'll no, talk about them next week. We'll give you, we'll give you enough clean. chance to talk about them. But nothing We've else exercised the demons. Chance, no? <laughs> We've exercised Great. the demons for grand. Drive on. All right, all right. We'll park it now. We'll come back to it next week anyway because there are some good quarterfinals in the United Rugby Championship next week. But of course, it is all about the Champions Cup final this week. 4.45 this Saturday, kickoff Irish time at the Stade Velodrome in Marseille. Leinster against La Rochelle, a repeat of last year's semi-final in which La Rochelle surprised Leinster and got through to the final when they were eventually beaten by Toulouse. But an opportunity for Leinster to get the fifth star in the jersey and draw level with Toulouse in the all-time list of Champions Cup winners. And guys, I might start with a difficult enough question because obviously Leinster going for their fifth title this week. Three of those previous four came for the one generation of players that kind of like late 2000s, early early teens group of players. And since then, 2016 to 17 came, they got back on track. They got to a semi-final. They got to the final the year after and won it in, uh, in Bilbao. But since then, they've kind of they've been there or thereabouts most seasons. They've pretty much been favourites for most seasons. Does does this group of players do they need to actually have a, a second title to properly be up amongst the likes of those those Saracens teams, the Toulon teams of the past, the the Leinster team that came before us, even the Munster team that won a couple, the Leicester Tigers, those kind of dynasty teams that have that have won multiple titles together. Is this a is it a crucial point for this Leinster group in that respect? Uh, I wouldn't say crucial point, but I think uh, there'll be a desire within the group themselves. There's a, a huge cohort of players there who who have won Heineken Cup medal going back to Bilbao, others who have none. So um, like there's been a significant change of the guard with Leinster over the past five or six years. Uh, you know, you make the point they won, as you said, was it three between nine and 12? Uh, Birch would have been part of that particular group. Um, I think Johnny Sexton and, and Kean Healy, the only ones still involved. Devin Toner is in the squad, but he's no longer sort of in the matchday squad. Uh, look, to be fair, there was um, you saw the, the, the value of, of the Euro took over in the, you know, between whatever it was, 14 to, to 18, Toulon, with an incredible team backed by a huge number of South Africans. They won a three in a row. You, Johnny Wilkinson at out half was driving. I always feel uh, very hard to win a Heineken Cup if you don't have top class test quality at halfback. Johnny Wilkinson was the driving force for that particular team, uh, aided and abetted by a massive pack up front. You then had the Saracens group who had lost a few finals before they won it. Uh, again, you're looking at uh, uh, the likes of Owen Farlett, 10 being the main driver there, the Polo brothers and the Toji up front. They're just quality teams. No matter what sport you play, there's always, and particularly when you're looking across a European scale, there's always sort of two or three standout teams. Uh, I think Leinster will be more disappointed with what happened from 2018 onwards. It looked as if when they won in Bilbao that day, 
Uh, they had a young cohort of players. James Ryan was part of that new breed, if you like. Five Furlong uh, had come onto the scene then. You would have expected them to kick on. Now, whether uh, you can look at COVID, you can look at all kinds of reasons, but, uh, you know, they've, they've lost in successive years to Saracens. They lost to La Rochelle last year. Uh, and there's no doubt in my mind, uh, this should certainly won two, if not uh, two of those three games. Um, issues that were caught against Saracens in the scrum, really, I think, in the Aviva in one of the games. And that was the big difference. Uh, and that's what it comes down to when you get to this level. If there's one significant advantage that one team has over another, then you pay the price. Um, but there's no doubt you listen to Leo Cullen during the week. Uh, the defeat to La Rochelle last year, I think, is the one that really drove them mad. Uh, and that has been the driving force between everything Leinster have done between the final whistle and that game in, in France last year, right up to the point of, of Saturday evening's kickoff. Everything they've done since then has been geared towards getting back to a European final. And I suppose serendipity in a way that is La Rochelle who beat them last year are they the opposition. Let's put it this way. Leinster won't be lacking any motivation when they arrive in, in Marseille. Bernard, how uh, how better are, are Leinster than they were this time 12 months ago? Well, they look to be better, to be honest. Um, I would say they look to be 20% better. Um, uh, also, personnel-wise, obviously, Porter was on the bench last last year. Um, you know, no Caelan Doris, no Gibson Park, no Johnny Sexton. Um, key guys for them, particularly the way they're playing now. Um, and you know, I, I think from a scrummaging point of view, Leinster have, are stronger with Porter on the loose head, but I do think that's still an area of weakness, even whether Ty Furlong um, plays or not. I still think Lara Shaw will be licking their lips to the prospect of taking Leinster on at, at the set piece. But what Leinster have been very good at is because their handling has been so accurate, the opposition don't get many. Um, scrum put-ins and hence not many opportunities to really go after them generally Leinster are pretty sound on their own ball quick channel one uh, to Conan and away so they, they've they managed to I suppose hide that weakness even though when you look back at Le- the Leicester game and to lose game there was scrum penalties against them it didn't become the key point and I'm sure it's something that Dunica Ryan you know and, and his forwards uh, coaching setup will be will be looking at this week as a as an entry point into the match. Um, yeah, I, I think, look, they've been incredibly consistent over the last four years, but I do think they've left, they'll be, they'll be disappointed with European return. And, you know, they haven't been many miles away. Um, they've never been blown away, but they haven't got the trophies that they probably deserve. And I think if they could go out and win this weekend um, and put in another really good performance, I think, you know, they they could then justifiably say they're the best team in Europe by um by a fair margin and let the others come and and try and catch them. But they have to still have to do it. And um, you know, it's no foregone conclusion. And Bernard, then just to follow up on it, like if they were to to get that trophy this weekend and make it, you know, two in two across the five seasons and, and a second for this kind of larger collective group of players, do, does that kind of put them right up with the the, the best, not just the best teams as in Leinster rugby, but as in, you know, does it put them up there with the Leinster team that won three three and four years? Does it put them up there with the, the Saracen side, the Toulon side that we've seen in the last 10 years? I think they deserve to be talked about in those, um, uh, in, in that category, to be honest. I think they do. I mean, I suppose 
the, the, the hardest thing to do is to do the double. Um, so they'll if they manage to win on on Saturday, it'll be about can they can they retain their URC. Um, and they probably deserved it. And apparently they're going to play a very similar side against Glasgow to play it against Munster. So you're taking a risk. You know, you're taking a risk there. Um, that's I suppose provided they, they win on Saturday. But um, yeah, they're very consistent. So throughout the season, they're probably the most consistent team. But the, you know. The great teams are remembered by trophy, so I think they need to win this week or or win another couple of European cups to to be really seen as a dominant team of their of their. Era. I doing a lot of quick check at the bookmakers there yesterday. Leinster are twelve point favourites. Now to me that <clears throat> seemed quite a bit. What do you think of that? Uh, twelve points is a lot in a final. Yeah, finals <laughs> are a totally different. Um, look, we've seen it across all sports. I mean, it's all about. Uh, you're out of your comfort zone. Uh, they're playing. You go. You could have 27, 28 degrees of heat down in Marseille over the weekend. Um, you know, my mind goes back. I, I I've seen Ronald Gara mention it numerous times over the past few years, uh, both in conversation and in his Irish Examiner pieces. You know, uh, and he, referring back to Paul O'Connell, last thing he said when they left the dressing room against Toulouse in two thousand and eight is, "Lads, whatever we do, go out and play." How many times do you see teams who get to a final and yet they get sort of they get introverted or they stop playing? Uh, I think uh, both Leinster I, I, and La Rochelle have to play. In other words, they have to take risks. They have to go for it. You can't just play a cagey game. Um, obviously, La Rochelle, we know the physical side of it. They'll be trying to to take Leinster on in, in the key areas up front. The scrum being one of them, but I just look at uh, I, I look. I think the 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 bookies' reference to points difference is irrelevant, really. Um, the thing that has impressed me most about Leinster is you go back over their last two games. You know, because of the of the draw or that that the twenty eight nil game, they ended up in I think seventh seed or whatever it was. They ended up anyway playing away against uh, Leicester and Welford Road. Everybody was talking about Leicester, top of the English Premiership. Uh, unbeaten in 13 games in Welford Road. That game was over after 20 minutes. Um, likewise against Toulouse. Uh, we'd seen Munster and, and Toulouse the previous year, or the previous week, a ding-dong battle. Again, Leinster just looked at a different level. And you can talk about, say, levels of fatigue and 100 minutes the week before and all that. That was evident after 20 minutes. It didn't take Leinster 60, 70 minutes to wear Toulouse down. They just look so better choreographed. And, you know, I've seen comments from elsewhere. People, you know, have Leinster been tested enough? Well, they've played the French champions. They've played the leaders of the English Premiership at the moment. But when you talk about them being tested, in effect, they were tested in the Six Nations because 12 or 13 players uh, of the starting side were playing for Ireland in the Six Nations. Um, you go back to that Toulouse game, all the question about the power that Toulouse had up front. Toulouse had four starters and two players who came off the bench that played for France against Ireland. Uh, Ireland had seven of the Leinster pack. Uh, you look at La Rochelle by comparison, I think uh, Gregory Aldrich and uh, Antonio, the massive tight head prop, they were the only two starting forwards that La Rochelle had for France. So in terms of anticipating what's coming in terms of the level of physicality and intensity and all those things. I think Leinster, be it in green or in blue, 
have a massive track record of games of that nature since last February. Um, they also have one other huge advantage, I think, and I'd be interested in Birch's take on this. I think that that three-week spell after they got rid of the round of 16 and they sent the young lads off to South Africa for the two or three weeks, it isn't as if they were doing nothing at home. I remember reading Robbie Enshaw made a comment before um, they played Leicester about how Stuart Lancaster ran the legs off them when they were in, uh, in Dublin. So in other words, they got an endurance block of training at a time of the year when everybody else is operating on fumes, when they're trying to go from one, <clears throat> one week to another, one match to another. Leinster actually did a, a tiny element of pre-season training. So when you get into the business end of the season, <clears throat> sorry, I think that's going to stand to them massively. And um, so uh, like uh, uh, Lara Shell have had games back to back. I know they made a load of changes last weekend for the top 14, but it's been pressure, pressure, pressure the whole way through. Uh, and I think that could be a significant factor in terms of the way Leinster want to play, the tempo and the intensity that they bring to the game. That three-week block, I think, could be the difference between them and other teams at this time of the year. Yeah, I think that's a massive donal, and probably that's why they're playing their best rugby now. And other teams, like we saw that semi-final, the other semi-final, and we saw Toulouse, they looked out in their, on their feet. And sometimes at, at the end of the season, it's basically, okay, it's not the case of who's playing the best rugby, it's who's still standing and who's who still has a little bit of energy. And, and Leinster, you know, by nature, the fact there's so many internationals, those guys obviously had a high high load in 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 February, March. But to be able to, and I, you know, I, I totally agree with you, and, and, and it's common knowledge that they worked really hard, but they they, they worked on a four-day split, you know, so it's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off, Thursday, Friday, and then you have your weekend off. So you get the chance to recover physically, but also mentally, you know, match days are incredibly draining the, the whole match week where you're you're analyzing the opposition you're trying to learn your own role and detail like they basically were able to come in do a little bit of work um on the pitch um and do a little bit of work in the gym um but then have full recovery and they just look so fresh now and, and that's that's the that's the benefit of having 60 players but also it's the benefit of having players who during the year who aren't in the front line can gain new points Let's be honest, if Leinster weren't able to go to South Africa and just have to pick up two points or weren't able to, to risk losing, getting no points in South Africa, but back themselves to win their last home game against Munster, um, it's not as easy to, to change it around and be so radical in terms of how you manage your players. So it's kind of, it is down to resource, uh, but it's also down to um, the ability they have to pick up points no matter who's in the team, which allows you to make those kind of decisions now, you know? Yeah, and looking at looking at La Rochelle and Ronan O'Gara specifically, Donald, because we're always interested in what's what's going on in Ronan O'Gara's world. Um, it's quite interesting. You mentioned some of the before we came on air. You mentioned some of the the players who seem to be touch and go injury wise. You've Tuera Carbarlo, you've got Victor Vito and Will Skelton. Now Will Skelton, you know, a week ago Ronan O'Gara said was done for the season, and then he threw him into his match day twenty three and gave him thirteen minutes off the bench last week. Now he's talking about how he's he's getting one of those little ash guards to see is is Tawera Carbarlo going to be going to be able to play. Hugo Keenan actually wore one of them in the semi final against Toulouse as well. So is O'Gara seems to be taking on this kind of All Ireland final week Yera Yera approach to everything at the moment. It seems. 
Well, if you're brought up in Cork and you listen to Nicole Dwyer telling it for years that Cork are the second best football team in Ireland, you kind of pick up a few things along the way. Uh, yeah, look, there's a bit of tongue-in-cheek. I yeah. think uh, would Ronan O'Gara much prefer if Kerbalo didn't break two bones in his hand against, uh, against Racing? I'm quite sure he would. Um, I was reading there where he was talking about uh, Victor Vito. He... Um, I mean, the, the margins about getting an injury. Victor Vito is retiring at the end of the year. He's going back to New Zealand. O'Gara wanted to give him to get the, a huge reception from the home crowd against Stade Francais last week. So he waited until there was a line-out at the far side of the field so that when he took him off, he'd have to come right across the pitch and get a standing ovation. In that line-out, on the far side of the field, he rolled his ankle. So, I mean... That, that's what happens when you try and be too choreographed. Uh, I think these injuries are an issue from the point of view that uh, you go back to last year. At the time, I think people didn't appreciate because maybe Johnny Sexton was going through he had a couple of injuries and that type of thing. They didn't appreciate the loss of the team of um, Johnny Sexton and Caelan Doris. Uh, Gibson Park wasn't quite at the level that he is now. So therefore... Uh, starting Luke McGrath didn't seem as big an issue at the time. Um, and you look at James Ryan, I think, played in that game and hadn't played at that level for months. So, again, there, there's maybe a lesson in that. Um, certainly, I think Leinster are stronger this time around. If you flip that over, and again, uh, Birch will know this, it's never great when you're preparing a team and you're looking at three fellows who are on the sideline and you're wondering, are they going to be fit or not? And if that's your mindset from the Monday, it's, you know, there's a lingering doubt as to who's going to start in this game. Uh, I'd be interested to see the the selection on Friday because I think that's huge. Uh, and I also think, you know, it's all very well saying Will Skelton, you know, he's back. He's He got whatever he got, 14 minutes against Stade Francais. This is different gravy altogether. Will Skelton is a massive man. He's one of these players, in my view, who need to play three, three weeks, uh, every three out of four weeks. He's a guy who gets fit by playing. When a fellow of his side doesn't play for a long time, it takes them, it takes them two or three games to get back up to speed. Um, so I think there's a risk element in selecting him. There's a risk element in, in, in selecting a scrum half if he's two broken bones in his hand, whether you put him in a cast or you put a, a hurling glove on him. Um, whereas Leinster, I think, will be quite happy on the other side. They have their squad. I think Colin knew from three weeks out who was going to start this final. Uh, he's been preparing with that group uh, for those three weeks. And then you look at the feel-good factor within the squad in that the team that he named last week, they were given a task to do. I, I think in Cullen's wildest dreams, he wouldn't have expected that they'd get a four, a bonus point win, win by a 10-point margin over Munster. So those players came into Monday morning feeling, OK, we've kept our side of the bargain up now, lads. It's up to ye. And, and Birch alluded to there. That group might play against Glasgow next week. So he's managing to keep maybe 45 players fully engaged at a time of the year when it's easy for your mind to drift. So I, I, I think, you know, Stuart Lancaster, absolutely brilliant coach, um, and, and we've recognised that. But I don't think Cullen gets enough credit for the manner with which he's managed the group, the way he's managed to keep so many players. I mean, uh, young Murphy, the scrum half, was the 60th player who had appeared for Leinster in the URC when he came off the bench against Munster. 
How you manage to keep 60 players engaged, feeling part of a wider group, that's a skill in itself. And Cullen uh, seems to be fantastic in that. And that's where, as a management group, Lancaster, technically brilliant on the training field. Cullen, brilliant at the overall picture in strategy and uh, in preparing teams. I'm sure he was thinking about that, that trip to South Africa weeks in advance of when it actually came about. Uh, for me, you know, that is how you win trophies. That level of planning, that level of detail. Whereas Raj, to be fair, at the moment, like he's been hit by a hammer blow with injuries to three key players at the worst possible point in the season. On the on the point about halves, Bernard, like Johnny Sexton, we've we've spoken at length this season about how how well he's been playing this season and how he's probably benefited from from not going on the lines tour this uh, last summer. Is could you say the same about a lot of those other Leinster players, the likes of Caelan Doris, who had his injury troubles and probably wasn't in consideration? Had he been fully fit, there was a fair chance he could have been on a Lions tour. Looking across as well, someone like James Ryan, you've Jameson Gibson Park, who wasn't even in the wider conversation for a Lions place. Josh van der Fleer, who missed out as well. There's a, quite a good few players in that Leinster group who who missed out or weren't really in the yeah. mix either way for Lions selection last summer. Are is it too simple to say, or is it a case that they're actually benefiting now at this stage of the season from having a bit more rest in the summer and maybe even having a little bit of a chip on the shoulder that they weren't selected? Yeah, and there's Andrew Porter who was picked but didn't go yeah. uh, because of injury, and Ron Kelleher got down there, but it wasn't it wasn't a difficult. He didn't play. It was um, it was just great experience for him. So I, I agree with you. And look, traditionally, um, the season post lines tour. Uh, players tend to pick up injuries, tend to maybe lose a little bit of, of form because of how much they invest emotionally um, and physically in it. So without a doubt, that that could be a factor. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think that, that definitely those lads are fresher than, than maybe some of their opponents. I, I totally agree with Donald. The top 14 this year has been an absolute uh, nightmare in that it hasn't been clear, you know, who's going to be top six. And, you know, even if you look at the table now, there's some big clubs like La Rochelle and, and um, uh, Racing who aren't really sure where they're, are they going to make the top six or not, which is catastrophic for a club like that. So they've, they haven't been able to prioritise this, this Champions Cup. And, um, you know, definitely that should be in Leinster's favour. Uh, I, I, I agree with Donald. They're incredibly well managed on and off the field. Um, they've got a really good ethic, really good squad identity. Um, like even fellas like Devon Toner, Sean Cronin, maybe play their last game last weekend for the last three or four months, they haven't let themselves go. They came, you know, Sean started, Devin came on and they both looked in great shape. And, and again, that doesn't happen in every, in every place, you know? Um, so there's just a lot of things in their favor, but it's, it's like the fact that 60 good players is irrelevant now on, on Sunday and Saturday, it's, it's a 23 against 23. And if, if Rog gets a bit of luck with injury, you know, he can put together a, a hell of a, of, of a, of a squad. The only thing I would say is, I don't know if Ahea West it's a Champions Cup win in 10. Um, you've, and that's, you've, that's answered, you've answered the next yeah. question I was yeah. about to ask. Go ahead. And look, I, I, I could be proved wrong on this, but it's rare that a, that a goal kicker who's a little bit flaky um, and has been a lot for a long time. I mean, Larish, he's, he's leaving La Rochelle. He's going to Toulon. And, and there's a bit of, I think that Toulon, the coach who signed up for Toulon isn't going to be the coach of Toulon next year. Um, and there was a bit uh, a bit of talk in the press that he wasn't happy about it. But um, he's a talented player for sure. 
but and I think the top 14 really suits him because there is space, there's mismatches, you know. Um, but I think he's going to be very claustrophobic for him on, on Saturday if, if Lencher defend the way they normally do. Plus, there's that pressure of, of kicking goals and bouncing back from obviously a, a pretty ropey semi final. Um, whereas you'd, you'd have to back Sexton if the game becomes incredibly tight or it comes down to a last 10 minute kick. You'd rather have Sexton or Rossburn have stepping up rather than Ahea West, I think. Yeah, and the, the funny thing on that as well, guys, is like I remember prior to the semi-final last year where Ahea West was a talking point and how, you know, are you able to kind of back yourself and, you know, back a player like that in, in the heat of that moment? And he ended up against Leinster in the semi-final having an absolute stormer. His goal kicking was brilliant. And then went on and had a fairly flaky final where he missed a few kicks as well. So that's the, and you mentioned it right at the top. I even took note, Donald, as well. Like to win these tournaments, you need top quality, test quality at number 10. And ultimately, could that, if we're talking about a game of fine margins, could the difference be between someone like Ohio West and the proven quality of Johnny Sexton, someone who's who's got four titles, going for a fifth this weekend? Yeah, but a question, and uh, you know, you 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 had the halfback pa- uh, partnership with that Gibson Park has been. I think Gibson Park has taken a good bit of a bit of pressure off Johnny this year. I mean, he's been brilliant around the breakdown. He eyes a break himself. That gives Johnny, and his his kicking thread is quite good as well. So that's taken a bit of pressure off Johnny. Uh, but look, as I go back, the multiple winning teams: Munster, Leinster, Toulon, and Saracens. You're looking at. O'Gara, Sexton, Johnny Wilkinson, Owen Farrell. Four of the best tens that have ever played the game. Um, very hard to win without him. Ohio West, I was looking the game against uh, Rassi 92. In the first 45 minutes, he missed two very kickable penalties and a conversion. Um, you know, that's eight points. Eight points in a, in a final or a semi-final is absolutely massive. So that is huge. In terms of Sexton... There's no question in my mind that having last out on the Lions tour last year was the best thing. I mean, you said he wants to play to, to the World Cup. He's going to be 38 years of age. The fact that he didn't go to South Africa last year was a catalyst in, in, in now looking as if that's going to happen. I saw uh, uh, an interview with uh, Finn Russell during the week where he admitted, and Dan Bigger was the same, they were absolutely drained after the, the Lions tour, both mentally and physically. And because they're playing in, in the Premiership and in the top 14 in France, where there's very few giveaway games, they're having to perform uh, game after game. Then you're in the Six Nations. They're both key figures, or they were. We saw Russell was nothing like the player we expected for Scotland in the, in the Six Nations. In fact, he was dropped by the end of it. That's as a consequence of and last year's Lions tour was different to any other in that they were cocooned in a bubble out in a place called Hermanus, which is a, a golf resort, an hour and a half out of Cape Town. And you can talk all you want about we had great, we had coffee mornings and we had a bit of golf and we had this and we had that, but you're confined in one place for six or seven weeks. I mean, to blow your mind away. Um, so uh, Leinster, are they in a better place than they were last year? Without question. Sexton, uh, I think, has played his best rugby in years. I mean, he was outstanding against Toulouse. We saw both against Leicester. I remember um, the first five or ten minutes, uh, Jasper Visa, the big springbok number eight, hit him marginally late. Again, Sexton just took the hit, got back in his feet, 
Same thing happened against Toulouse. He took a couple of early hits. Physically, he looks in the shape of his life. That certainly couldn't have happened had he gone on the Lions tour. So I think both Sexton and Leinster are the beneficiaries of that. Uh, and I think that, that that'll prove key in this game over the weekend, without doubt. If we're talking about, and it came up earlier on as well, Birch, the, the weather this Saturday. And it's, you know, it's been high 20 degree heat all week in Marseille. It's expected to be in and around that as well by, by Saturday evening when this game kicks off. Is are Leinster going to be able to, to play a similar game to what they did against Toulouse and play with that tempo? Like uh, the Toulouse coach spoke after the game about the ball in playtime in that match against Leinster and just how high it was. Now, are Leinster going to be able to repeat that or, or something even close to it in in this in the heat of this Saturday in Marseille. Yeah, I are think they, they are they going to have to are they going to have to alter that approach a little bit? No, I don't think I think the Leinster will want to play fast, um, but I, I don't think La Rochelle will will allow them. I think La Rochelle will learn a lot from the Toulouse defeat, um, in terms of how Toulouse didn't find touch, were sloppy with their handling. You know, every time Toulouse left the ball in the field, Leinster kept it for two two minutes, two and a half minutes, and just forced to be really quick. And I, I remember Leo in the press the week of the game was kind of saying, look, we expect to lose to, to try and slow it down. And he would have been absolutely delighted they didn't. So I don't think it will be as fast as uh, or as high ball and play time um, because it doesn't suit, uh, it doesn't make sense for La Rochelle to allow it to happen. However, you know, there will be opportunities for Leinster to play high, high speed and high tempo. And if they're accurate, if they're breakdown work, which won't be as easy as it was against uh, Toulouse because, um, La Rochelle have more jackal threats, you know, real jackal threats. So um, they're going to have to be very careful around the breakdown. But also, you know, if, they, if they're sloppy at their handling, you know, that will give La Rochelle scrum, point, scrum entry points. So it's a, Leicester still have to be accurate and precise and, and, and play their game. And it's always fascinating to see what La Rochelle, you know, or any opposition do to try and take away those areas of strength. So, yeah, it's uh, on form. There's only one winner. That's why Leinster 12-point uh, favourites. But, like, strange things have happened in the final. Yeah, and we said that last year as well, didn't we? Like, if yeah. uh, you spoke about the threats there. So we mentioned the scrum earlier on where La Rochelle could get at Leinster. But, obviously, the caveat there is Leinster don't knock on the ball too much either. And you mentioned the jackal threats as well. Are, are they the two main areas that, if you're, if you're coaching La Rochelle, are they the two main areas that you're trying to attack from, from a Leinster point of view? Look, I think... La Rochelle will look back at that last game or how Ireland in the past has struggled, how Leinster maybe struggled. I agree with Don. The Saracens' defeat in, in the Viva was around the scrum. But they also struggled with the power. Um, Leinster struggled with the power away last year. Now, we think, and it looks like they've been able to um, manage that through very good tackle technique, um, very good decision-making around the breakdown, bodies on feet, etc. But if you're La Rochelle, you still have to... And you're like what coaches do is they... They show clips or examples that give their players confidence match week, right? So, I mean, for Raj, you know, you pick some of those incidents last year when Antonio or, you know, um, uh, Bottia or, or uh, Will Skelton were on the front foot, just batting away Leinster defenders. So, you, like, La Rochelle still have to believe that power is their, one of their advantages. Um, and it has to be proven that Leinster have managed to to be a team who can overcome power because realistically, in terms of size and power, La Rochelle have probably five or six bigger men than Leinster have. We think that technique will manage that, but it's not clear yet. 
And Donald, what way are you seeing that? Are there any other holes in the in in the in the Leinster team that that La Rochelle can pick at? Well, the the breakdown is the key one. It's like you know, you go back to Joe Schmidt's time with Ireland. They were so well drilled, so clinical in the way they wanted to play that they dominated everybody on the world stage throughout twenty eighteen. Won a Test series in in, in Australia. Won the Grand Slam, beat New Zealand, blah blah blah. But by by teams go away and they analyse you. At some stage, somebody is going to stop what you do. Now whether that's going to be O'Gara comes up with a blueprint at the breakdown that puts in something different that slows that Leinster ball. I mean, uh, like all the talk after the game against Toulouse was the the was a thirty five or forty percent of of ball recycled in a second, which is like there was a time when three second rock ball was phenomenal. Now you're talking about uh, a second. Uh, somebody's going to find a way to slow that down at some stage. How do you do that? Winning the collisions, winning the battle on the game line, stopping the momentum that uh, your ball carriers are generating. It is going to happen at some stage. Um, but at the moment, and, and um, Birch mentioned two words there, accuracy and precision. That for me, when you know, when you're when you're up in the kind of commentary area and you're looking down on the pitch and you just you get an overview of Leinster, uh, they're phenomenal to watch. I mean, in in successive weeks, I watched them against Toulouse and I watched them against Munster with two totally different teams, but they were like chess pieces around the board. Everybody knew exactly where they were running. Everybody knew what was expected of them, and to see that choreography up high, it's it's phenomenal. Um, so they have that accuracy, which I think is a tribute to their, their coaching team. Uh, the other thing you mentioned, the ball and play time. I think, okay, it mightn't be as high because of the heat and the intensity and, and the type of game that's in it. But I think a significant factor here, I just looked at, um, I was trying to look at what, what uh, La Rochelle's path to the final was. They played Glasgow and Bath in the pool stage. Like both of them have had very average seasons. Okay. So then when they got into the knockout phase, they played three French teams in a row. They played Bordeaux, home and away in the round of 16. They played Montpellier in the quarterfinal. And they played Racing in the semifinal. So it was all, it was the same type of, of challenge, if you like, that they face in the top 14. I think the fact that they haven't played sort of somebody outside of France now for a couple of months, um, that'll be in Leinster's favour as well. Uh, I think if Leinster manage with the heat and with everything else to play at the tempo that they want to, then there's definitely only going to be one winner. So if La Rochelle want to compete and bring the game into the final quarter, well, then they're going to have to control that territory. They're going to have to uh, put pressure on Gibson Park at the breakdown. Uh, and they have the capacity to do that. Now, whether Victor Vito, he would be a loss in that respect. Aldred is an outstanding player, you know, probably the best number eight in Europe at the moment. Um, the the second rows, they're big lumps of second rows, but, you know, from an athletic perspective, you would think uh, certainly James Ryan, I thought against Toulouse, was back to his best. Um, so Ross there are Maloney, challenges. Ross Maloney's there. playing the best rugby of his career as well. Absolutely. And look, he, he got massive plaudits, which he deserved after the Toulouse game. The trick now is to back that up. And that's for, you know, a player like Ross Maloney, if he wants to get on that plane for New Zealand. So I'm Andy Farrell and I'm looking at 
Ross Maloney against Toulouse and I say well done lad you had an outstanding game you were up against two quality locks uh, in uh, Moifana and, uh, and um, Richie Arnold let's see if you can do it now at a higher level at a higher stage if I want you to go out against the Maori in New Zealand I want to see if you can replicate that performance uh, I think he can I think uh, Ross Maloney has been a sort of the unsung hero for, for Leinster for a long while he's brought a little bit of that physicality maybe that they were missing. Um, like, uh, so it's, it's going to be a huge game for him. If the likes of him, like he was in contention to be man of the match the last day. If you're getting that type of returns from the, the two or three guys who aren't on the Irish team, well, then you're in a good place. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if he can repeat that again. Just, just on that, just sorry, Neil, just Go on ahead. the whole thing around the way they're playing, the way Leinster are playing, um, I don't know if you remember during. So I listened to a podcast the other day from Wayne Smith, the ex all or the ex all black coach, and he said when they reviewed uh, the defeat in, to France in the quarter final in Cardiff, and the, the whole country was against them. Um, they I don't remember they kept the same staff, but he said one of the one of the things they said they need to be better at was predicting the way the game is going. Okay, and. Uh, they tapped into America's Cup, which is a big sailing competition because a lot of Kiwis are, are involved in that. So they talk about the crow's nest, right? So the guy up in the top of the boat, being able to see which way the wind is coming and being able to steer the, the, the boat um, for the best wind. And I don't know if you remember, but during COVID, Leinster and the Crusaders spent a huge amount of time as coaches talking about what the game, what way the game is going to go with the law changes, et cetera, et cetera. And both of those, if Leinster win, will have won basically their core, their, their main target this, this year. And I know they're both stacked teams, but again, it's that ability, like the laws now suit that high tempo move, um, hit and move that Leinster are playing, the way the Crusaders play. So it will be very fitting. And it goes back to what Donald said about Leinster being very organized and planning. If they can win this, um, you can probably trace it back to having a little bit of there are lots of reasons but part of it might be the foresight to be a little bit ahead of the curve um, in terms of the way the game is going referee to play etc yeah I remember Stuart Lancaster talking about that it was like they, they played was it like a virtual match or something I yeah I remember he was yeah, so well, like so, yeah, so Lancaster so and the Leinster players would say you know we would do x y and z to you and they'd send that off to to the Crusaders yeah. crowd who'd come back and say, okay, well, if you're doing that, we're countering with A, B, and C. Yeah, and again, it's it's obviously, the first of all, people people had time for the first time in a long time. Um, and secondly, there's no chance of ever playing each other. So there was no real secrets to be given away. So they looked at each other and said, look, I, yeah, I would target there X, Y, Z. And, and likewise, so they get that information back. But they also talked about, you know, where's the game going to be in a year's time, two years' time, three years' time, and start to, to change your your structure or your, or your systems a little bit to try and be ahead of the curve to finish up guys uh, like i'm i'm sensing you're both leaning towards a, a leinster win is that way you're going yeah definitely for me um you know again i haven't watched la rochelle in any great detail this year but i you know i've seen their 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 champions cup games uh and i know it's difficult like the the Heineken Cup is full of, of French classes, you know, two French teams playing against each other, which is dull. I remember the, the 2010 final. I happened to be at it, Toulouse and Biarritz. It was an appalling final. Um, and the, the semi-final, La Rochelle and, and uh, Racing was a bit like that. The one thing I was surprised with, 
La Rochelle in that game was, you know, that period when they got the penalty try off the, the line-out mall when Racing had 13 players. Uh, they had two players in the bin at the time. But uh, La Rochelle, they just failed to capitalise on that. They scored nothing in that 10-minute period when Racing were down to 13 men. I think if that was Leinster, and we even saw the Leinster seconds, third scoring 14 points in that, well, say seven points for the penalty try. They got another try within four minutes mm. of Niall Scannell being yellow carded the other night. Like, if La Rochelle are to win this, they've got to take every kick that Ohio West gets. They've got to take every opportunity that comes their way in terms of a potential yellow card. Everything will have to go right for them. Uh, I think if, if Leinster play at the tempo and with the accuracy and precision that we have seen from them in the past two months, and I've no reason to doubt that they can't produce that, then I, I can only see a, one winner, and that's Leinster. Birch? Yeah, same for me. Same for me, to be honest. And I, I respect La Rochelle massively. Um, if, can they win? They can, but you, you can't. I, I can't see if Leinster perform um, that they, would, they wouldn't win. But that's, that's the key then. It goes back to that whole thing. We have to play. You've got to turn yeah. up on the day. You've got to produce everything. And that, that caveat is always there when you get into a final. I mean, you could. And, 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 you know, the other thing, and it's happened, we've seen it so often, one high tackle, most one mistimed tackle, a, sh- uh, uh, a shoulder to a head, and one team gets, or Leinster lose, they get a red card after. Not last year minutes. in the final as well. Yeah, exactly. That changes the complexity of the game. So therefore, uh, that's why finals, um, you know, we, we've seen the underdog come out on top on so many occasions. But if you're scripting it to form, if you're scripting it to the, uh, the, the evidence that you've seen in front of your eyes over the past three or four months, then, you know, I would expect Johnny Sexton to be lifting that trophy on Saturday evening. All right. Well, it's a 4.45 kickoff Irish time. Stade Velodrome in Marseille is the venue for Leinster against La Rochelle in the Heineken Champions Cup final. We'll be chatting about it again on the RT Rugby podcast this time next week. And thankfully, guys, we'll be talking about Munster as well. I know you've been holding in a lot of thoughts this morning. Uh, you, you can get them all off your chest this time next week on the podcast. But listen, thanks a million for joining us and we'll see you again next week. Thank you. No bother. Thanks, lads. The RTE Rugby Podcast, sponsored by Canterbury. See the new Irish men and women's rugby jerseys at canterbury.com.